Hi, everybody. Welcome to Drag Racing's Golden Era. As always, we are glad that you're joining us tonight. Uh, we have a really special treat for you. Gary Beck is going to be joining us here in just a second to talk about his racing career, his life, and all the cool stuff that went along with it. But before we get to that, Nitro Revival is coming up, Nitro Revival 5. I just got my new order of hats in. The first two people that come up to me and say, hey, I want one of your hats out at Nitro Revival, you're going to get one of these. I only ordered a couple of them right now. We'll see if people actually want them. But another exciting thing that happened for us, Gigi Carl, uh, Carl, Carlton, I was out visiting her and Joe Schubeck. She sent me the book, uh, Hot Rod Empire, the story of uh, Robert Peterson. So we're really looking forward to this. And I want to thank Joe and Gigi for an outstanding time out in Vegas. So enough from me. Uh, in our Legends of the Sports series, it's my pleasure now to welcome Gary Beck to the program. Hi, Gary. We're glad that you're with us. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Hi, Randy. Thanks. It's my pleasure. Uh, it's always a lot of fun to talk about drag racing. I hear you. So the first thing I want to get out of the way, Gary, is that you are not a Canadian. You There's a misconception among the passive fans that you were born in Canada, but you were born in Seattle, weren't you? That's correct. But uh, let me let me steal a word from our president, Joe Biden. Two words made in America. There you go. And you you moved up there after you got married. So we I just wanted to get that out of the way right up front. So you were born and raised, I assume, in Seattle, right? Correct. I was born in Seattle and I raced um through the 60s, starting in about 1960, all the way through 1969 in the sportsman classes. And I drove, for the most part, the double B gas dragsters that I was in partners with, with Gaines Markley. And we had other partners of John Rhodes and Mike Sweet also. But I moved to Canada in 1969 and I got married, married Penny up there in 1969. But my professional career and top fuel career is definitely Canadian. And, it, you know, because I met people up there, we can talk about that, them also. And um, that, you know, and I, I raced out of Canada for sure. But, but the Seattle area was good. It was good to me too, you know. Uh, you know, um, uh, how it all started, if I could, if you want, would like to go through the years there. Yeah, let's talk about I, the, um, the Emperor's Car Club. Let's start right there with all of that. that. That's where it all started in senior in high school. Gaines, Gaines Markley and I joined the Emperor's Car Club. And what they had was an altered, a, a 34-4 two-door altered. And if, you, and if you had an engine, you put it in it, and then you got to drive it. Well, it took us a few years out of high school before we had an engine, and we built a blown DeSoto and put it in, in that car, and then Gaines would drive it, and then I'd drive it, and back and forth we went. And we, weren't, we didn't beat anybody particularly with it, but we learned a lot about drag racing. And, and I know I went 134 miles an hour in that car, and it scared me to death, you know. But from there, we went into get the dragsters. We had a little short dragster, couldn't beat anybody with that car either. And we built another car and that one was very successful. It ran really good. It set the double B gas speed and ET records in 68 and 69. Um, at that time, Gaines moved forward and started driving top fuel cars. And well, that 
you know, still as partner of to, with me, um, then I became the sole driver of our car. And actually we won the division six title in which was super eliminator in those days in 1968 and nine. And we, we had some tough competitors out of Canada, you know, Jack Williams in that syndicate car. He beat us up pretty good in the early years. And, and we got back with him um, in 68 and 69. But Double B Gas was an interesting class around the country. There was about four of them around the nation that ran quite well. And, and um, um, we, we traded um, national records back and forth because, you know, at Mission and Seattle, the air was real good. And that helped out a Double B Gas car. So, you know, in the short, shorts there, that's, you know, the early years of um, where it all started for me. Okay, so I gotta, I gotta ask you. I honestly, I've never heard of a Desoto-powered uh, dragster before. And before you guys switched over to the Chrysler Hemi, the Desoto engine was it actually manufactured by Desoto? Absolutely. Um, you know, back we're talking. You know, back in the late fifties. You know, when when the when when Chrysler, you know, came out with you know first the three. 33, I think it was, then the 354, then the 392. That was the, the big engine. But DeSoto, they had their Hemi also, and so did Dodge. Dodge had a smaller engine than we had, but our engine was like, I, if I remember right, it was 272 cubic inches. Okay. And yeah, we had no money. We went to the wrecking yards and got Gaines and I, we knew what the wrecking yard from the front door to the back door. And we bought a short block. We had to build our own manifold, steel manifold. We bought um, a camshaft and we bought uh, a Hillborn fuel injection system. And, and we put a, a pretty much, we ran the stock rods, stock piston, stock crankshaft, and we'd run it maybe two, three races. It would bend a rod. And then we'd just go back to the record yard to get another short block and put it in there and go race it. Yeah, you could buy the whole short block for fifteen dollars, and we were lucky if we had fifteen bucks, you know. <laughs> but but it ran, and and we made a lot of runs, so you know it ran pretty good for us. And um, and and uh, you know if we get to talking about my roaster, I copied that motor, my roaster, but it it's got a Chrysler in it because we we eventually the '68 and '69 car had a Chrysler in it. Yeah, what, it was what? a three fifty. Four with a, I think I think we did have a, a little stroker in it, but it was, it was, um, you know, uh, uh, you know that that car would run um, in the um, eight in the eight seconds, you know, somewhere in the mid eights, I believe, and about 180 miles an hour. Yeah. Wow. So what 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 was the what was the big difference between double A gas and double B gas. What was it just engine size, weight and all that, or what was the difference? Well, that's, yeah, back in those days, uh, you know, NHRA had rules and it was weight to cubic inch yeah. and, um, and, you know, double B gas dragster was just a little smaller engine, little smaller engine. As it happened, um, when Gaines was driving, he, he drove for the first, first part for Jim Crook. He, who had the assassin top fuel car, oh. you know, Gaines, Gaines jumped in that and drove that. 
Um, and, and Crook had come, Jim Crook had come out of double A gas. He sold his double A gas to Dan Ferguson from Seattle. Well, I drove that. In 69, I drove the double A gas car and the double B car at, at the same races. I went in, in 69, I, I made that car, their car, the double A gas car would run 198, 199 all day long. But we did go 200 with it one time at Arlington Dragway. I went 200 one time with it. And, um, but it was a real nice, you know, lightweight, you know, double A gas car. You know? Uh, everybody, uh, everybody that lived through that era, and unfortunately, I didn't, um, has fond memories of the top gas class, you know, uh, and, you know, it, it went away in 72, but how exotic some of those cars got. Yours was just a single engine, double A? It was, yeah. There, you know, there were certainly some two-engine ones also. But they uh, were pretty, yeah, I mean, they, they were, you know, in the class, the fuel cars were certainly better, but not always, you know, because they were smoking the tires a lot, you know, and the gas cars would just kind of sneak down there, you know. Well, I remember they're uh, talking to Bob Moravas about, you know, back then there was in the early 70s, there was a little bit of confusion sometimes about, you know, top gas cars running faster. And when you had uh, top eliminator, you know, sometimes they were running fuel cars against top gas cars. And there was confusion about who actually won the race. Well, you're right. In fact, uh, at Arlington, I raced Gaines one time. He, and he was driving the Assassin for Jim Crook. And I was driving Jim's old car, you know, for Dan Ferguson. We we decided to run them side by side, and guess who won? You know, the gas car won. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a it's a great piece of the history in Top Gas, and you know, I know a lot of people wish Top Gas would have hung around, but I mean, it, you didn't. You really didn't need another Top Dragster class uh, on top of Top Fuel. So I get why it went away. Well, yes. I mean, it, it, it was a good place to start, though. And they were, you know, all front engine cars. And that's really the only front engine cars I've driven because I'm in my top fuel days. It's all rear engine. Well, let's talk about you got you married and you moved to Edmonton. Now, the capital city, you know, the capital city hot rod club up there in Edmonton at there are some serious names that came out of that hot rod club. You know, uh, Ber Bernie Federley is the first one that comes to mind. You, uh, Graham Light, was he part of that whole thing too, if I remember right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think when I moved up, up uh, to Edmonton and I sh shortly became, you know, a member of the Capital City Hot Rod Club and, and, and became friends with many of them. And, and my, you know, I hooked up with Ken McLean who I became partners with in top fuel and, but Bernie Federley was part of it as you know, he was working for, you know, um, racing with Terry cap, you know, and, and, um, Graham light and Dan, Dan Sorensen, they bought purchased, they purchased gains in my double B car. And Graham drove that for a while. And then, you know, Ken McLean and I fielded a, a um, front engine dragster that Ken drove. We bought the Joker from Calvota and Hamlin and, and Dick Calvota, John Hamlin, and Ed Norton out of Seattle. They want they were getting out of racing. We purchased that car and Ken drove it. 
and it was a very good top fuel car. And so we had that. And as time went on and we got to the rear, to the rear engine car, Graham Light and, and Dan Sorens purchased that front engine car from us, you know, so, but, but Edmonton would field about, I think there were five top fuel cars in town. And if anybody remembers the Edmonton International Speedway, it was a, you know, modern day, we're talking the 1970s here. It was a modern day road course and drag strip facility, you know, hands down to none. They ran Can-Am cars there and stuff. It, Edmonton was a great uh, city for, for uh, racing. You know, and then you had Ron Hodgins, you know, he was in the in funny car, but, you know, he had the pacemaker car, has the pacemaker nostalgia car today, you know, and, and so you had the pacemakers, you know, speed shop, and then you had Terry Capps Wheeler Dealer speed shop. Then on the south side, um, there was uh, Jim, <laughs> I'll think of his name here, uh, on the south. Of course, we didn't like it. You know, us guys are up there. We didn't like anybody. We we're all enemies trying to beat each other, everybody there. Then, then you got to throw in a couple of cars from Calgary, you know, we're, and, and, um, and you know, I think there were at one time in Alberta, there were seven top fuel cars. So you know, we, that, I mean, it was very competitive. You know, Egbert and Steven, you know, there were, there were another one, Maynard Garrity. If you remember hit that name, Gordon Garrity, they had one. And then, um, Oh, um, the Regals Car Club, Phil Broderick. They had they had a gas car. They had a double B gas car for years, but they also fielded a fuel car for a little bit. You know. You know, it, but it, it was amazing. It it, it is amazing time. because if you think about it, you know, these days you got to have millions of dollars in the bank just to be able to field a a race team out on the road. And back then, you know. It, put a few guys together and go racing with a top fuel car. It was an amazing time. I mean, there was fuel cars everywhere. It seemed like. Well, I let you, you're right. And, uh, you know, for a, an interesting, uh, on the Canadian side, there was one year, five cars from Edmonton went to the Montreal, the grand nationals in Montreal, four of them qualified. There was an eight car show. Then four of them qualified. For years, Edmonton had half the field of an NHA national event. And nowadays, with everybody moving to Brownsburg, Indiana, you know, that has changed. But for years, you know, uh, Edmonton had half of a field. Yeah, it was, it was something. So I got to, I guess the next thing that comes to mind, you guys had the Joker, but then we're moving on. We're, we're getting into 72 here. How did you, I mean, you were, you were a chief mechanic at that point, right? You weren't actually in the driver's seat. How did you, how did you end up in the driver's seat? Well, well, you're right. I, you know, Ken McLean and I uh, fielded the front engine car and he drove and he was very good. He was a very good driver. And, and I, I was crew chief. And as time went on, uh, the rear engine cars were coming in, into play and, and, you know, uh, Ken and I had um, Bob Lawrence, if you remember that name, because he was part of Edmonton's racing. He ran the, the uh, Lawrence Custom Brokers, and he became our sponsor. So we we decided, you know, that we would have um, purchase a rear engine car, 
1972, which we did. And uh, Ken drove it starting at the Winter Nationals at, at Pomona in 1972. And he, he drove that car till I'm going to call it mid-season. But he, he had, he had um, some issues with that, being consistent with that car. Uh, let me just say we added Ray Peets as a sponsor at that point in time. And, um, you know, he had his reliable engine services. So our car was well-funded and it was a very good race car. We had, it was Beck McLean, um, Lawrence and Ray and reliable engines as a sponsor. And, and at Ray's shop, we built our own engines, um, mostly the crankshafts. We did our own stroker crankshafts, right? At reliable engines. Um, so we, we, fielded a, a very good race car. Well, Ken had some tough times driving that car. I mean, it was capable, but it just couldn't focus. And, and late in the year, we had to, we had a team meeting and we needed to make a change. Okay. Ken says, well, if I'm not driving, I want out. Okay, so Bob Lawrence and I purchased Ken's share of the car. So now we got this great race car, a no driver. So we're going to look and we were considering bringing somebody in and then Bob and I talked, well, maybe I'll maybe I'll take a take a run at it. And if I don't, if we don't see success in a few races, we'll get somebody else. But let's just get started. Well, I went, I went out, I had to upgrade my license. I went out to Edmonton International Speedway. I had to do a three-run upgrade to get my license. Well, on the third run, we set the track record at Edmonton Speedway. Now, you got to remember, top rear-engine cars were brand new, so the record was achievable. And, and we went out there with that car, and then we went to Seattle Division Six points race, and qual I qualified there, and then Hank Johnson gave me a, a lesson on the starting line, and he knocked me out first round. And so, but we were going to go to Indy. So, well, what are we going to do? Well, let's go to Indy and just, you know, let's go one more. We had all the plans to, to go to Indy. So we go to Indy. Well, you know, there was... I don't know, 70 some cars qualifying for 32 spots. And we qualified 10th. And we went round by round through that, through that five, you know, 32 car show, five rounds on one day. And, you know, Ray, Ray was, Ray Peets was there with a couple of his um, um, workers from Reliable Engines and, you know, and, we raced Jerry Ruth in the final and he smoked the tires and I run 611 and won the race. And I guess the rest is history. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, Jerry Ruth, Seattle, uh, Northwest native. Um, had you had much contact with him before the 72 nationals? Well, yes. I mean, um, we raced Jerry a lot. Yeah. I say we, uh, Ken McLean driving and 
And then in the sportsman, when Jerry first started drag racing, he was in the comp eliminator, I think. And super eliminator and comp eliminator, where we were, oftentimes they raced each other also. Ruth had a C altered, I believe it was. Or no, C gas. It was a gas car. It had a Chevrolet in it. But shortly, somewhere in the mid early mid sixties, he went into top fuel, and and then we raced, but we raced him. So you know, uh, um, I certainly knew all the Division Six racers as well as they knew who I was. You know, there we were no, you know, I mean that you know at that at the Indy race, I also raced Herm Peterson. Well, you raced Herm Peterson and Jerry Ruth. It was just like oh no. Old home week, you know? <laughs> but but we did win that race, and that changed things considerably yeah. because you know we competed at the at Ontario, which was the Super Nationals, you know, and yeah. and um, and then we went to Lions Drag Strip for the last drag race, December second, nineteen seventy two. I qualified there, and I but put it in the sand trap and we had to take the car to uh, Woody Gilmore's chassis shop and do a little repair back to the track. And I beat Cerny and Moody first round and threw the clutch out of it, sawed the car up pretty bad actually. So then I called Bob Lawrence who was partners and Ray Pete still sponsored and and I I tell Bob he says I've already heard I quit <laughs> so so here I am Penny and I in the Marco Polo Hotel in Anaheim California with a broken race car partner just quit and what are we going to be doing well over serious talks over the winter Ray became Ray bought. Bob Lawrence out and became owner of the team. Uh, I maintained a small portion, but he was, he owned most of the team. And we, we rebuilt the car and um, more motors. And that's when it became Beck and Pete's and for 1973. And then we went on to the U S nationals again and we won, uh, you know, we won back to back. But then it was, you know, it was still sponsored by Reliable Engine, but it was Beck and Pete's, you know, at that time. And it so, remained that way all the way through the 70s. So I want to I wanna step back just a second here because there's two things that come to mind. Um, first of all, in 72, um, I don't remember how many years that PRA race went on in Tulsa. Um, but you, there was, you know, NHRA was, Garlitz was trying to give NHRA a run for their money with, with the PRA race. And how do you, it, I, here's, I know that people said the 72 season because of the PRA race was a, a weird season, but I mean, you clearly showed everybody that you weren't just a one hit wonder at the 72 race. How do, how do you think that, how did that PRA race affect the U S nationals that year? the car counts where they where they were supposed to be how i mean how did it really affect that race well well it it certainly did um i don't know how many cars were at tulsa you know um 
but um, there were still 70 cars. I think it was 72 actually that tried to qualify at U.S. Nationals, and it could have knocked the edge off a little bit. But you know, Don Perdome was there with his car, as was Tom McEwen. But they ran the dragsters at Indy, and they ran their uh, funny cars in down in Tulsa. You know, but it, it certainly it certainly would have made uh, some difference. But but uh, Lowy T, I think was until Ruth ran, uh, was uh, uh, Clayton Harris. Uh, uh, I think he ran like 603, something yeah. like that. You know, I ran 621, yeah. you know, and the, you know, and the, oh, the bump spot was pretty high. I, I, I don't, I forget, but something in the high sixes, I imagine. Yeah. And, but, but it's still, I mean, it was a, it was a full field of cars, no matter how you look at it. Yeah. Well, I, the other, the other thing that I, and I, you know, <laughs> I had Larry Brown on, uh, when we, when we chatted with him, he goes, yeah. And then at upstart, we were down in Tulsa and at upstart Gary Beck comes in and wins. <laughs> he goes, and even Larry said, but that man backed up everything he did at the U S nationals. But I want to ask you about, because lions is a, that last race at lions is, it's just a special deal to me and having, you know, a personal relationship with Carl Olson is it's been really cool. The neat thing about that race, Gary, is you actually beat Don Moody and on the break rule, Don Moody continued on and should have technically been in the final round of that race. No, you're right. You're right. I, I, Carl and I've talked a little bit about it, but, uh, Moody got back in, but I think he ran Carl Olson in the second round. If I remember right, it was no uh, Don. What, what no? What happened was Don Moody actually just pulled. I mean, the whole race turned into such a freak show that he was supposed to race Carl Olson in the finals. And what happened was because he had beat Jeb Allen, they brought Jeb Allen back in on the break rule. Moody told uh, I don't know who was running it, Steve Evans or whatever that. He was out, so they brought Jeb Allen in. So realistically, it could have been, had you not broken, it could have been you in the final against Carl Olson. Yeah, maybe, but you know, it may be. But I was a rookie, you know, trying to trying to make a living. I, and, uh, I, I. That's the only time I was at Lions was one time in the last <laughs> drag race, and I thought I got my money's worth. I hit the, you know, we qualified. We won. We did win one round, and I also went in the sand trap. I got it all. You know? <laughs> so, you know, they got their 50th anniversary coming up. You know, and they're having a function up at the at the museum up. You know, and I don't. I might go. I'm not sure, but it's uh, it's there's certainly a legend legendary place to visit you know there was yeah. no doubt about that well did yeah. did did you manage to hang around after did, did you go sit in the stands and watch, watch the rest of the race with the with all the <laughs> with everything that was going on up there well i believe so i i i remember how wild it was i don't <laughs> think i could have got into the stands but i was probably part of the crowd you know, standing around it was mayhem no doubt about it you know? <laughs> all right so <laughs> anyway you you win the U.S. Nationals in '72. We can you know fast forward to '73, 
And all of a sudden, here's Gary Beck again. You, it, this wasn't a one-hit wonder. You're back. And in 73, you're winning again. It's it, How did you guys rebuild the car after 72? Tell me about all that, 70, the well, season 73. Well, the 73 season was, was interesting because now I'm driving, and we go – we go to um, from Edmonton. We start. We, you know, back in, the, in that era, you know, we did, you the the in '73, the championship was a, was a combination of the division points races, and there were eight national events at that time, and and the winner, uh, um, the, the division winners, and a few other cars would go to the world finals. And it was for, you know, the world champion was the winner of, of, um, of the world finals race. Well, Indy was part of the circuit and we, we ran national events um, a little bit on the limited basis, but um, we did get to Indy. And of course, Indy was, you know, now Garlitz was, at Indy, you know, they were there. Well, Garza's car actually, my car was running pretty good. I, I forget where I qualified. It wasn't number one, but it was down down in, you know, we were 10th in 72. We wanted to get in the top eight, the grouping and the third, still a 32 car show. And we did that. I remember with that, we did that. Well, Garlitz wasn't running all that well. But he, in the news, uh, interviews with, you know, the some of the media there, he said, "Well, I want to race Beck. I'm trying to, I'm trying to time myself to where I'm racing Beck." Well, guess what? We raced first round, and and I beat him first round, and I and I remember that race. I mean, it was a good race. Um, you know, I'm going to say wheel to wheel. But I had a, a good top end charge, and it moved out on him a little bit, and and I beat him. And down at the other end, you know, we're down there side by side, and you know, that's really my first meeting with Garlitz. And um, you know, um, he said, and he just said, "Nice top end charge," and walked off. You know, that was that was it. But then we marched our way through you know, through the field and then raced, you know, Carl Olson in the final, you know, so. Well, and, I, and let's, let's talk about that. Cause Carl Olson, you know, it, when we did our interview with him, he specifically talked about that. What he said was, and I know, you know, this because you've talked to them many times about this, but what he said for all of you out there, Anyway, we went up there and staged and left, and he kind of pulled. I saw him pull out a little bit on me, and then he just immediately disappeared. And I knew he had smoked the tires. It's not my first rodeo. I've seen that before. Guy disappears that quick. He is either shut off or he's lost traction. You know, and, and for the next couple of seconds, I'm counting contingency money and wondering who the trophy girl is going to be this year, and you know. I would say probably the 1200 foot mark in the 1320 foot drag strip. I saw his front wheel. And by the time we got to the ET light, he had gone by me and won the race. And I, I was gutted, absolutely gutted. Uh, I, I still chide myself to this day for 
assuming that I was about to win the biggest drag race on the planet. No, no, he says he was counting the win money, you know, and no, that's true. But, you know, you, you know, they had, you know, the 392, you know, the Donovan aluminum motor back then. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, we had the late model Chrysler. Now, it was all cast iron heads and cast iron block. But we had, um, you know, our, our um, reliable engine in there. And um, we had, you know, Ray would produce our own stroker crankshafts. You know, and you know that was a you know a 426 Chrysler. Well, when it was four, the, most people had the 426 stock crankshafts. Well, we had a little stroker in ours. You know, like uh, I think we started out with a quarter inch stroker. So then, when the sport went to quarter inch strokers, we went to three eighths. When the sport went to three eighths, we went to half. And when we, when the sport went to half, we went to five eighths. You know, and we always had more cubic inches than most of the other cars out there. And, and we are, we had a very good race car and, and, and um, some well-qualified crew that came down from, from reliable engines, race employees. And, and um, um, we were able to maintain uh, maintain that engine. Uh, Ray was very particular on the cylinder heads. Um, he gave me tools to take on the road to keep the valve job in order, um, a vacuum gauge to, you know, to make sure everything was seated properly. And he was a production engine rebuilder. That was his business. You know, I mean, I mean, I might have taught him a little bit about drag racing, but they were teaching me a heck of a lot about engine work. And, you know, just basic, basic stuff that keeps an engine working. So the cylinder heads were always good. And then, and then he was very particular about the ring seal. And so he, we had, we had equipment to, you know, hone the cylinders on um, at the track and take, you know, and take care of them. The rings, he had, um, he had um, the production rings and bearings from his suppliers through fruit that and we were able to feed the car enough parts we heard we ran it hard we put the percent to it and and um and you know we had work to do on it but we were capable of handling it and and that kept the car competitive and that's how it that's why it ran so as good as it was and, you know, and then i got hooked up with people like schaefer clutches you know and and we had one of we were kind of led the charge, you know, back in those days, it was Hayes clutch versus Hay Schaefer clutch. And we had the whole, you know, Hearst operation, um, you know, with because they had numerous companies and, and um, it was all part of our team. We, we had a, we had a lot going on for us. You know? Well, and, and that's the, you bring up a good point of, about this era of racing. Drivers didn't just fly in on a helicopter and, and jump in the car and race on race weekend. They, you know, they, you guys all had to be wrenching on these motors. Everybody had to know every part of the every part of the team. And it, it another thing that's we've kind of lost in drag racing these days. Well, you're right. Um, you know, um, my expertise was was a you know drag race uh, mechanic. I'm not a. I, I you know I could hardly open up the hood on your streetcar, but. 
Mike can work on a dragster, you know, and, and, but we did it, we, and we did it all from the rear ends to the front, you know, for the drivetrain to the, you know, to the engine top to bottom. And, you know, we, we did it all and you had to, you know, and so did the people we raced against. I mean, Jerry Ruth, for example, Don Garlitz, you know, they, 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 I mean, they could do it all also. And that's, that's how we raced as, and, and, um, you know, and you're right. It is certainly different today. It's very specialized out there. Yeah. yeah. No doubt about that. Yeah. So how many, uh, in, in 73, you guys won the U.S. Nationals. How many other national events did you guys pick off that year? Was that the only one? Yeah. So, so my first two Wallys are the U.S. Nationals, you know, back to back. And then, and then um, in 73, you know, we, we won division um five and and um and so we went to the world finals and we raced in it was in amarillo texas and we ran there and got to the final and against jerry ruth and he beat me by 20 feet and became world champion uh that year so so I, you know, I lost a championship by 20 feet there, you know, but <laughs> so that you, was, that was the last year that the, that it was one race. It became a series in set 1974, which I won in 74. So let me ask you about division five. You were, when you were in Canada, were you racing in division five? Was that your division? It was. Okay, yes. so you were not division. So why was I thinking you were division six? Well, I am. I am a division six driver. Okay, but but going to now going to national events and 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 going back home to Edmonton, and then a Canadian car. We we wanted to run you know the Canadian races as much as possible also, and there was a division race in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And and um, then Denver was not a bad run to get down to Denver, and and so we didn't run. Um, we ran only very few Division Six point races, okay. but um, in division titles back in that era, uh, I actually won four division titles: two in Division Five, one in Division One, and one. The last one was Division Four. Wow. Yeah. You so, but, but racing all you, over. Well, you had, you had to, you know, have a schedule and bookings and, and, um, and, and a reasonable route. Well, division six in the opposite corner of the country for what <laughs> we're trying to do here, you know? So we were on the road a lot, you know, but I, let me tell you how I booked the car. Yeah. Cause it is kind of interesting you know, as to how you're, how you're doing, but the, now, you know, Chris, national events, I mean, you, you know, you, you weren't bought in or anything. I mean, it was a, your dime to go to a national event, but the, but the division races, I could, I could make a deal with the promoter of those races. And what I asked for was the win money. I wanted a guarantee of the win money. And if I won the race, it didn't cost them anything. If, and 
if I lost first round, yeah, it cost them a few bucks. But I would also give them one day of promotional work prior to the race. I would come in, do one day of promotional work, guaranteed to win money, and then and we won plenty of <laughs> division races. So, you know, that was kind of, you know, how we operated, you know, and that helped knowing, you know, uh, you know, I've, I've often said there's only three ways to fund a race car, you know, prize money, sponsor money, and your money. <laughs> well, we, the your money, we didn't do, you know, we tried to do it with the first two. Uh, well, the, you know, the, I, I grew up in the 70s and, you know, the whole match race circuit and all the match races. I, I lived just up the road from uh, Great Lakes Dragway down here in Union Grove, Wisconsin. And, man, everybody came through there at one point or another. And that's I've been there. Yeah, that that facility in, in my mind was, at least in this area, was quintessential drag racing for us. And just because it was a track that I could get to, and I saw everybody there. Everybody was there at some point. I probably saw you there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know I've been there. Yeah. 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 So, but the match race circuit that you, I know a lot of you guys. That's how you funded your operation to be able to even go to the national events, isn't that? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and and you know, um, you had to match race. We ran AHRA, IHRA, and the NHRA. Of course, the NHRA was the main stream, the main part of it, you know, but we, we, we ran, um, uh, many races. I actually won four, uh, uh, IHRA national events. And I think it's seven AHRA races along the way, you know, we ran, you know, in, in Michigan, we ran that popular hot rod race a fair amount too, you know, and that, that helped Find it, and then there's the ones in Chicago. There, um, it's actually Gary, Indiana, out of Chicago. There, we ran that one. I mean, it was exciting, you know. But I did a fair amount of mat match races. Nothing like Garlitz or or um, or Tommy Ivo did, and even Muldowney, you know. Other than other than in Canada, I did a lot of match races at the Canadian trip tracks through through the 70s with the expert a sponsorship and then then the thrush sponsorship were both canadian companies you know there were you know and back you know let me just throw this and when we bought that car way back back when we were using canadian money canadian money was 10 percent higher than us wow. <laughs> so it was a good deal yeah <laughs> <laughs> well so in in 74 i mean you win three nhra events you win two ahra events um it was a good it was a good year i mean 70 it, it to me it's amazing that you stepped into the car in 72 winning u.s nationals win it again in 73 and in 74 you're you're winning all kinds of stuff it it, it was a good three-year run right there and that was all was that all still in 74 was that still with uh pete's or were you already over to mcdonald tobacco company well no ray pete's owned the car okay and 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 but he says we're going to get a major sponsor. He says I'm going after McDonald Tobacco, which was Export A. And I said, well, good luck, you know, you know. Well, he pursued it, you know, and and um, um, he put it together. And and we didn't have Export A at the at the Winter Nationals uh, of '74, um, but we did shortly after that. 
and, and um, um, which was a real start and, and you know, um, pretty good sponsorship money, but, but mainly a huge promotional program. They assigned two of their marketing people just to work with us, you know, and we, I was busy all the time in Canada. Now we're talking in Canada and, and I'd race in Canada, but race in the U S on these circuits we're talking about. And, but back to Canada for shows, you know, we had all kinds of trade shows, you know, some of them not even connected with cars and, and, and we had, um, uh, you know, cause they, they, you know, expert a was, that's a cigarette company. A lot of people thought it was beer, but it wasn't it was a cigarette company. And owned by RJR too. Oh, I didn't know Their that. I did not know that. No, they were they were owned by RJR, but you know, Winston didn't start till '75. You know, but they, we're talking '74, year before, and we win the championship with them first year. You know, and and um, it was a great promotion, and we were all over Canada doing things at car shows and and trade shows and and the drag racing and, you know, and it was a great marketing program and we carried it into 75 and we had a, a um, that completed the contract and we had um, 76 and on, on in paper that we were discussing with them. And that's when the Canadian government clamped down on the cigarette companies and all of expert A's to, marketing went away. It wasn't just us in drag racing, but it, it, it um, they, they got out of, had to, had to get out of everything. And, and that ended that, I mean, I, I mean that they closed down the marketing department, which had a couple of dozen people in it. And, and like in a day they were gone and then we were scrambled. We didn't know it. And we were scrambling and we, we were able to put the thrush program together. Well, it, with, with the export A, I, I came across a, 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 I don't know if you want to call it amazing or funny, one of your uh, promotional deals for export A. You were actually on a road course with, with a top fuel dragster. <laughs> Why don't you tell us about that? It was hilarious. Yeah. It's a great story um, because it was one of the deal. We went around uh, Mossport, which is um, in between – it's south of of uh, Toronto, towards London, Ontario, and um, we're going there on a NASCAR weekend, and um, and we're just there in the pits with the NASCAR guys, and the NASCAR guys, they they really don't want to associate with the drag racing guys, you know, and and. Um, but they brought in a couple of their drivers. Uh, um, but anyway, we're, we're there and we're going to do a lap. You know, they're on the PA. Well, Gary, Gary's going to get out there and he's going to do a fire burnout and, a, and, and he's going to go around the track. All right. So I'm, I'm there with my crew, Ron Caps. I call him the real Ronnie. Not, it's not the funny car driver, Ronnie Caps. Yep. I'm calling him the real Ronnie Caps. We're there. And, of course, nobody would talk to us, but that's okay. So we go. It's our, our turn. So we talk about it. And, and I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of leg it a little bit. Okay. 
So we, we load this thing up with fuel and, and we push start it and Ronnie puts a little gasoline down near the starting line and we do a fire burnout. Well, I keep going and I go, I go down towards turn one and I'm in their NASCAR groove and I, uh, and I'm, and I, I, I like it and it's moving pretty good. So, I, you know, I got, you know, a dragster has good brakes also, you know, you got the big tire, you got big, good brakes. So I'm, I anchor the brakes. So I come around turn one and I'm in the groove. So I jump on the throttle. Well, it hikes the front end up and zoom, you go down and then, you know, and I'm, I don't forget exactly how the track was, you know, some lefts, some rights, and I'm just kind of skipping. And I see that we got bike wheels on the front and I see the wheels kind of, kind of sidetracking a little bit, you know, and they're just kind of, well, Gary, that's a little too hot, you know. So I kind of cool it a little bit. I, I but, but I can't, every time I had a chance, I legged it. Well, a dragster is really quick. And you go to the corner. Yeah, you got to slow in the corners. Well, I get down to the hairpin and I, I go around the hairpin kind of slow and I'm looking for the push truck. Well, the push truck ain't anywhere near there. So I pull off into the, into the, um, kind of the, the, the debris from the track and there's a grandstand there. So I do another burnout. So I, you know, and I'm going down left, right, up over the hill and I'm legging it pretty good, really good. I mean, it's carrying the wheels every, every time I jump on it through the S's, I pull a parachute, pull a parachute, you know, and I, I've last couple of corners and I get to the round of the, I'm trying to stop and it's starting to run out of fuel when I'm on the brakes. And I, and I, I get it to the finish line and the announcer says, well, you're not going to believe this. But Gary just went around there. He's just, it was two tenths behind what the NASCAR guys were lapping the track. <laughs> and I, two tenths. Well, well, I can tell you, a lot of people don't want to believe that, but that's what I was told. But if I had any idea it was that close, I would have, I would have not stopped for one thing, <laughs> you know, and maybe not use the parachutes, <laughs> but it was that good. But a dragster is so fast and the groove is so good that, that, I mean, uh, uh, I believe. Well, when I came around and stopped at the finish line, the NASCAR guys were all up the guardrail. <laughs> I figured they wouldn't talk to you anymore after that. <laughs> no, no, they they were all like this. Uh, well, let me. The story even goes farther on because a few weeks later we went to the oval track in London, Ontario. There's another one. Do a fire burnout, go around. Same thing. We're out in the middle. It's the Canadian version of NASCAR, one of their lower classes, you know. Um, same thing. We're our trailers out there. They're not talking to us at anything. But anyway, it's our turn. Saturday night, I guess, you know. Ronnie, we're going to do a fire burnout. So we push start it, get to the starting line, fire burnout. 
and down towards turn one I go, I'm going down towards turn one. They turn the lights out because they want to <laughs> see the header flights. Well, I can't see turn one. So I'm giving it a little throttle trying to get some header flames up so I can see turn one. I kind of sneak it around turn one, kind of around turn two a little. I sneak it around turn two. And then, and then they turn the lights back on. And I, coming out of turn two, I nail it. Well, it hikes the front end up about three feet. And down the back chute I go and into turn three and around to Ford stop again, the NASCAR guys, <laughs> because the car is so quick. I mean, you know, a dragster, you're talking a top field dragster here, you know, back in those days, um, maybe 2,500 horsepower, you know, in that range, 2,000 for sure, you know, and, and I mean, you know, they're so quick. And the groove is good. I mean, you know, you're dealing with a good groove. You're not out there spinning the tires. And yeah, it was something. I, I heard and, what I heard from that about that was, but what you just talked about was that the crowd went absolutely wild when you came back up across the starting line. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I mean, Canadians are great automotive fans for a start. You know, and what they enjoyed it, you know, but that was an export aid promotion. That, that's the kind of things we did, you know, and every, everywhere we went, they would get involved in the, in the, in the press conferences. And, you know, we did burnouts in par hotel parking lots, you know, all across Canada and some of them in the streets, you know, and we, um, in downtown Vancouver, BC at lunchtime in front of the sports club. We did, they blocked the street off and, and we did a burnout at lunchtime with people hanging out the windows of the big <laughs> tall buildings. I mean, we were rattling it. You got a top field dragster downtown for crying out loud, you know? You know? You know? But it was something, you know? Well, here's a good one. Same thing in Calgary at the sports club. We're promoting a race there up there for Gene McMahon at Calgary. And we do what we do another burnout in downtown Calgary. Well, I then stopping, you know, you're bouncing and carrying on. I hit a manhole cover with the oil pan and I stopped the car. Well, there's a big old puddle of oil coming out. Brent Seaman was crew chief at that time. This is a thrush car. And, and I get out, I got to go in and talk to the, talk to the media people, right? Hey, hey Brent, take care of this. You know, <laughs> it was a mess. <laughs> you know? But, these, you yeah. know I, these are the stories that I, I just, the, the unvarnished stuff that went on in drag racing back then, it's just great stories. Um, so, you, so you lose Export A as a sponsor. In the 75 season, I assume you came in with, with Thrush, as I recall, on the car. Is that right? Well, it'll be 76. Thrush 76. was 74 and 5. Okay, so se then, 75 was a hell of a season for you, as I recall. Well, that's and, the battle with Garland. Yeah, so, and know. I remember, and I, I talked to Herm Peterson about this a few times, and, you know, the, the whole thing with the Garland's offering a bounty at the World Finals and all that. It's quite It was quite a season. 
but we all know how that ended out. That ended up being what Garlett's first world championship in, in that year. But why don't you talk about the 75 season? That had, to, that was a battle all the way through that season. Well, it, it really was, um, you know, again, we had a very competitive car and, and, um, you know, the season started and, and, um, you know, we're reasonably successful getting going and, and, and so was Garlitz, but Garlitz wanted to win the NHRA world championship and the IHRA champion at the same time. Well, I, I booked my car to run four only races with IHRA, uh, Larry Carrier. Now, um, the contract was all verbal. Everything was over the phone. And, and I, I agreed to go to four races for uh, Larry Carrier, IHRA races. Now, Garlitz was doing them all. And um, into the end of the year, NHRA announces they're having a race. They're adding a race to their season. They're adding um, um, uh, the Seattle race, you know, the Northwest Nationals. Yep. Well, on, and it was on top of the Bristol IHRA event, one of the ones that I had made a deal to go to with Larry Carrier. So two things. I want to run. I'm running for the NHRA championship, and, and um, I want to run pretty much a hometown track being in Seattle. So I call Larry Carrier, explain what's going on with what, what I, my wants um, would be. And so I traded Bristol for the race he had at, I believe Amarillo, Texas. So I go, and that was much earlier in the Caesar season also. So I, I go to Amarillo, I race that race. And so I, that completed my four events with Larry Carrier, and he agreed, and he was fine. Well, because I was, and, uh, and Don Garlis, we were the two battling for the NHRA championships. Garlitz won. He said, well, you've got to, you know, Gary was supposed to go to Bristol. Yeah. Well, you you got to make him come to Bristol. You know they 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 were going to sue me, which they did. Um, um, and Carrier, you know, he called me and he says, Gary he says uh, you got to come to Bristol. I said, well, I can't, I can't. I said, we had a deal. You know, I went to your four races. He said, yeah, you went to the four races, but but you got Garlis Garlis he. he demands you come to Bristol because you said you were going to go to Bristol in the first of the year. Well, I said, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, you know, well, they sued me and, and, um, uh, that suit was eventually thrown out of court after, after, uh, numerous years. Now this is all verbal contract stuff we're talking about here. There was nothing on paper, but, um, I went to Seattle and they got an injunction for me to not race. I was served papers in Seattle. 
from Larry Carrier. Well, I raced anyway, and we won that race and and took over the lead of the championship, took the lead away from Garlitz. Wow. So we were leading going into the final race. Well, um, what what happened was at, after, after um, a long legal battle, um, I won the there the lawsuit was nothing because I had completed the contract, yeah. but I still had this problem with uh, the injunction that fed, they got at a federal court, and and um, um, I had to. Um, I was I was charged with contempt of court, uh, which is a judge's way of policing his court. If they if a judge tells you to do something, you have to do it, uh, or you're or you're in contempt of court. So I had to um, uh, go to Tennessee and go to federal uh, court, and I had I had my day in court. <laughs> And I was found guilty of contempt of court in the state of Tennessee. And I had to pay a thousand dollar fine. But that took a couple of years to resolve. Um, I'm not real happy with what went on through that process. Um, Larry Carrier and the judge were able to have every court date on Friday of an NHRA national event. Uh, somehow, some way, yeah. you know. um, but um, uh, it is what it is today. You yeah. know, um, the yeah. battle that year with Garlitz was tense. Yeah. Uh, Garlitz won the championship. Uh, the thousand dollar bounty that he put up at numerous races. Um, I I disagree with the sportsman factor of that. Yeah, um, it turned people into. Um, trying to win a drag race by any means, but performance. Yeah. Uh, and that, that is um, not very sportsmanlike to me. Um, um, Garlitz, we raced for that championship at Ontario, California. I qualified number one with the first 5.69, first time in the 60s car. Um, I, that was my only 60s. Um, Garlitz had trouble qualifying for a while. Then he did qualify, and then he ran, um, I think, a, a 67. And then in the final, I, I think it was against Herm. Yeah, it was Herm Peterson. Um, he ran 63 for the national record, and he beat me by – uh, so Garlis won the race and then and the world championship. He beat me by a round or a little more. Yeah. Because Herm had beat me that race, which is another story. Um, <laughs> but but I look at that season a, a little bit different these days. Yeah. Um, I raced Garlitz in the final in Montreal. He beat me in Montreal. I raced Scarlet's. Um, it was, I think, um, the next race was the Summer Nationals in English Town. I raced Scarlet's in, um, uh, uh, I think it was the third round, might have been second, but it, uh, third round. I beat him there. 
he had to go to one more points race, which was in um, Suffolk, um, um, Virginia. Um, I went there to race him, to stop him. And we talked about Garlitz at Indy trying to qualify against me. I went there particularly to qualify against him. Well, he qualified number one, and I was sandbagging it. And I, you know, back in those eight car show, back in those days, one races five. Well, I end up number five. And I race Garlitz first round, which is exactly what I wanted to do, and knock him out. Well, he beat me. So, so the Ontario part of the story kind of ends the story, but realistically, those three races were a huge part where you got to race who you were competing with head to head. Cause you, we really didn't race each other very often. You know, we'd either get beat by somebody else or whatever. We never ran head to head, but if you take Montreal, English town and, and his points race, um, those were big factors. And, and, um, you know, he beat me two out of three there. And, and, and then, and then, then, the, you know, the end was at, at, um, at Ontario, you know, it could have gone either way, either way at Ontario. I would have liked to have raced him at Ontario. Um, it would have been a great thing for the fans to have two 560, the only two 560 cars yeah. race each other in the final, you know, but I needed to beat Herm Peterson and that didn't happen. You know? So did, did, did the 75 season, did it, did it tarnish your view of drag racing at that point? Or did you come out of it? How, how'd you come out of that season? Were you okay with moving forward? Oh, oh yes. Um, um, you know, the, the lawsuit part of it, it went on for two years, oh. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, before it was really finalized, but but you know the competitive side of it only makes you tougher. Yeah. Um, well, and there's um, no doubt about it, Gary. That that is you know that was hardcore competition. Garlitz wanted to kick your butt all over the place for whatever well, reason. Yeah. Well, I you know in the early days of, of racing Garlitz, I beat him a lot. In the later years, he beat me a lot. <laughs> you know, you know. I mean, he was. I mean, he you know he uses the words and I use them too. He was a formidable opponent. <laughs> you know? I mean, you had to go there. You know, I beat him at HRA and I beat him at IHA races. You know, I beat him at the final round of an IHA race in um, Akron, Ohio. I, I forget what that track was called, but I beat him in the final there. And he and and and, and it was Ronnie Cap, so it was seventy-four or five. You know, it must have been 75. Um, and and we're pitted not very close to Garlis, but his crew guy, Brett Red was his name, um, forget his last name. He comes over and he gives Ronnie and I a beer out of Garlis's cooler, congratulates us on knocking him off, you know. Well, Don sees that. He didn't like that one bit. Well, when Red got back to the trailer, he got the torque wrench out and he's chasing him around, trying to beat him over the head with a damn <laughs> torque wrench. He's chasing him around the race car and the trailer. He's, you know, don't you ever be doing that? You know, <laughs> you know, hey, 
it was just competition. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it, 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 I'll tell you what it did do, Gary, is it, it for us as fans out here, it made for some intense racing. It was on your feet racing, you know, when, when you guys came to the line. 